Well, we started one another last week. So if you were here last week, you came back, glad you're back. If you're just now joining us for the first part of the year, then certainly glad that you are here as we look at this whole big idea, one another. That I chose to do this series at this particular time because I really wanted us to be focusing on what we naturally focus on at this time of year, and that is so many think about their New Year's resolution. They think about, hey, what, what can I do that, that's different? How can I improve who I am, what I do? And, and so we do, we, we think about that at this time of year. But, but have you ever noticed that New Year's resolutions, that they usually are all focused on self-betterment? What, what, what's going to be better for me? When I look in the mirror, am I going to like myself more? And, and I'm going to do some things. I'm going to accomplish some. And so they, they do. They tend to just focus on, on, on who I am individually. And maybe maybe the people that I, I love and I do life with the most, that, that maybe they're going to benefit too. But that's kind of the extent of it. And I want us to think about, at this time of year, I want us to think about a, a New Year's resolution that, that would actually improve lives, but not just your life but the lives of others around you, the lives of everybody that you would end up interacting with. And how do we do that? That we would do that but by thinking more of one another, that we would think more of one another, that the people that we end up doing life with, whether it's something that we do all the time or somebody that we just get a one opportunity to interact with that individual, that we would think about them more than we think about ourselves. That when we look at our Bible and our New Testament, in our New Testament, this word, one another, this appears 100 times. At least the original Greek word appears. Because sometimes, some of our Bible translations, some of them will say each other, some of them will say one another, but it's all coming back to this original Greek word. And this Greek word is alelon, is this word. And you might hear that and you might be thinking in English going, I don't want to be all alone. Why are you talking about this? And it's not all alone. It's all alone. And when we do this, it's having this focus of one another. And so we have all of these instructions in our New Testament about, about how we should be treating one another. And some of it has to do with what we would do for one another. And there's some things in there that we're even taught what we wouldn't do to one another. And so last week we started by looking at encourage one another. That we would take this idea, this thought, and we would look at it and go, hey, what is it about encouraging one another that is so important? That encouragement, when you think about it, it is something that it takes and it takes people that are being hurt and discouraged and they're down on themselves, that it actually takes and it attacks negativity. That it attacks that negativity that's all around them. And sometimes some of that negativity is already internalized in them. And and when we look at encouragement, it it attacks the negativity. But when we think about discouragement, it feeds the negativity. Is what discouragement does. And so we, we need to be on the side that we would be encouraging other people. That encouragement is this thing. It's it's just good fortune for other people. It's what it is. And, and I shared this idea with you, that you don't need the, quote, gift of encouragement to give the gift of encouragement. That I'm somebody that, that I don't have the gift of encouragement. I, I don't walk into a room and just start encouraging people left and right, and people start flocking to Will because, oh, get, get around him, he's going to encourage you. I just don't do that naturally, it's just not who I am. But there's some people that that's your gift, and, and you just do that, and it's great. We, we need you. 
But those of us that don't have that gift, we don't get excused and go, well, I don't need to encourage because I don't have the gift of encouragement. Because you don't need the gift of encouragement to give the gift of encouragement. Every time you encourage somebody, you are giving them the gift of confidence. That's what encouragement is. It's this gift of confidence. And that, that we need to do better. It's something over the last two years that, that I've really grown in. I've still got a way to go. But, but I've grown in so that I could learn to be an encourager to others. Encouragement is something that carries enormous potential. Th- this, this was the thing that was a game changer for me. When I had some people speak it into my life, letting me know what, where I was missing it with, with the opportunity of those around me, of seeing the enormous potential that encouragement carries. And so we all need to be about encouraging one another. And today we're going to talk about love one another. So, so let me give a, uh, a disclaimer or a clarification, if you will. That I don't want you to, to hear what we're going to talk about today and, and, and for you to limit that to somebody that you're either married to, you're, you're, you're in this super tight romantic relationship with. I don't want you to limit it, what we're going to talk about, to that relationship. I don't want you to limit what we're going to talk about today. I don't want you to limit that to just your, your, your family and, and, and go, okay, this is just going to apply to, to my family. I also don't want you to limit this to the, the people that, that you're close with, these close friends, these, these comrades in life. I, I don't want you to limit it to just them either. That, that we need to be looking at this idea of love one another for every person that we get an opportunity to interact with, that, that we would be about loving them. I, I grew up in church. And when I grew up in church, that we sang a lot of different songs. And so I've asked Jorge and Kayla to come out here to kind of walk us through this kind of memory lane, nostalgia for me for, for just a brief moment here. And so I, I grew up in a church that we just sang hymns is, is what we sang. Okay. And so that, that when I think about some of the hymns, one, one of my all-time favorite hymns is this hymn right here. On a hill far away stood an I just loved that song because it really just brought me in tune with this is something that, that Jesus, he put himself out on. And, 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 and there wasn't this sense of, oh, that's a great thing. Oh, look, look who got to be put on the cross. But it's because of his great love for me. Then, then there's this song that, that, that we sang more than any other song in church. And, and we always sang this song whenever we did sing it. It was always after the preacher preached. And so he, he would give his message, he would say a prayer, and, and, and then he would stand up at the front, and, and, and we would sing this song, and sometimes people would, would come to the front, but this, this is the song. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. It, it was a song that, that said, hey, Jesus, I recognize who you are, and I'm going to come just as I am. I, I don't have to clean myself up before I come to you, 
but, but, but I can come to you and you're going to be the one that's going to clean me up. It's a, it's a song that is a response to God's love for us. And then you could be somebody that, that today could be your very first time in church. And, and, and you probably have heard this old hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's again, it's just one of these songs that just really brought us in touch with how much God loves us. And, and, and for adults, th- those songs, th- they stir in us, okay? And if you're somebody that, that you grew up in church, and, and probably a lot of you didn't, but how many of you guys grew up in church, okay? That, that you're like going, oh yeah, I remember those, I remember those. And, and, and we do, we, we, there's this sense of, wow, and it just stirs in us. But because I grew up in church, that, that those hymns literally didn't do much for me while I was young. And so they had kids songs, right? And, and, and the kids songs, it was just so much better because it would relate to you on your level. And they, they usually had a lot more energy and excitement to them too. And so those were fun to sing. And so like, this is one of my favorites from a kid. Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. You know, yeah, those you guys, you, you guys know. If you didn't know, I'm sorry, but uh, insider, you know. But, but yeah, that was one of the things. So here, here's another one. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Now, some of you guys were properly churched, okay? Because I saw it. I saw it. You can see this is how I was taught. It's you sing it, you sing it, you sing it, you sing it, and then it's let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's got a certain motion to it. So some of you guys get an extra gold star today. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. That was so, I mean, we'd, we'd keep singing that one faster and faster, and you know, and you're trying to do, and your hands would get all jumbled just trying to keep up with those motions. Here's another one. The B I B L E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone in the Word of God. The B I B L E. Okay, here's 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 another one. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and black and white they are precious in his sight jesus loves the little children of the world okay so there's one more and and as an adult looking back to childhood this this is the one that probably means the most to me of a song that i sang as a kid that i really grasped as an adult it's love, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. It's love, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. It's love, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. It's love that makes the world go round. A little faster. It's love, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. It's love, it's love, it's 
All right. Thanks, guys, for coming out and helping. You might not know this because they keep it a, a well-known secret, but uh, no, people know. But you probably don't know, many of you. That is husband and wife. And so every week when you're seeing them both out here and singing, uh, that uh, they, they do great. We're so glad to have them as part of our church. So when I think about going back and, and thinking about being raised in church and it's these songs that, that really did a lot to try to help me understand about the love of God. And it wasn't just these songs that were hymns, but even these, these kids' songs that would really help us to, to get this. That, that what Bible-believing churches do, and they, they do this and they do it pretty well, is, is they try to take kids and they try to enforce this one idea in them if they get the opportunity to. And that is they want kids to know that God loves you. And they do. And, and so we do this too as a church. That, that our children's ministry, we, we reinforce it, we spray it, we wheel it, we deal it. We just keep putting it out there because we want kids to know this. And, and then we take it a step further. And the step further that we take it is we take it this far. We say, God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. And, and as, a, as a kid, that, that no matter what seems kind of innocent. That, that as, a, as a six-year-old, that, that maybe you took your sibling's blankie and hid it from them, you know, and hey, God still loves you. That there's just not a lot when you're a young kid that you're going, hey, no matter what. But as we become adults, if we can learn that while we're young, that God loves you and he loves you no matter what, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you've been with, that God loves you. And, and, and if you're somebody that, that you were able to, to grow up in church and you were able to grasp that, that that's great. But but maybe you didn't. And, and maybe for you, you're somebody that you, you've heard this, that God loves you, but, but you struggle with believing that. You struggle with believing that God loves you because you're in touch of, of your past. You, you're in touch with your present. You, you're in touch with the decisions and the behaviors and the thoughts. And you're in touch, and you're like going, oh, and let me tell you what I think is the number one challenging thing that makes it difficult for people to believe that God loves them no matter what. And I, and I, I think this is the, the most, this is what causes the greatest difficulty for people to believe that God loves them is when they see the people of God not loving them. It creates the biggest barrier to belief that God loves me when the people of God don't love me. So as we look at this, love one another. That, that, that let's take this seriously. And, and, and let's be people that, that we're willing to love others. We're going to be looking at seven different passages of Scripture this morning. And so they're all going to be in the New Testament. Because this whole push for this one another is what we get from our New Testament. 
So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it's right near the end of this book that was a letter to the church. And so as it's this church to Galatia, that, that this is what we get to see Paul giving this instruction. He says, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Let me, let me try to give you some context for this to help you appreciate what he is trying to tell these believers. These are believers that just a few years before he's writing this, that everything was based on living by the law, the rules, the commands. Because that's what the Old Testament standard was. Here's all the rules, here's all the guidelines, here's what you have to live up to, there's what you have to do whenever you fail to live up to these guidelines. And he's telling them, because Jesus came and he gave his life for you. He was a sacrifice for your sin. He is the one who, he gave his life so that you could be redeemed. When you put your faith, your hope, your trust in him, you now get freedom. And so he's telling them, when it comes to your life, you've been, you've been called to live in freedom. Not, not being bound by the law. But use your freedom wisely. And he says specifically, don't use your freedom to do what? To be somebody that you're going to just satisfy your sinful cravings, your sinful desires. Don't use your freedom for that. And then he says this, instead, use your freedom to serve one another. We're not talking about serving one another today. We're going to get to it. But it's what he says when he says this. He says, but use your freedom to serve one another. And then he adds this, in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. So that's what he told the Galatians. Let's look at what he wrote to the Thessalonians, to the church at Thessalonia. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Now, this is the same guy that also has given us some instruction about encourage one another, and he certainly is encouraging the church right here. Your faith is growing, it's flourishing, and your love for one another, it is growing. And when I think about this whole idea of his encouraging them, he, why is he encouraging them? Because their faith is flourishing, but because they love one another, and that love is growing. That when I think about Crosspoint, I want that to be a description of our church. That, that, that we would be a church that the people of Crosspoint, that, that our faith is flourishing, but our love for one another, it's growing. That, that, that we would be known as, oh, that church that, that loves one another. That, that church that, that does a good job of loving people. That, that's what I want Crosspoint to be known as. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a touchy-feely kind of love. That, that some people, they're like, they, they just love to hug and express that. That's great. Use that. Some people are like, I'm going to show my love in a different way. And that, that's great. Use that. But let's love one another. Let's love each other. 
And here's the thing, it's, it's hard to feel the love and experience the love. If the only thing that you do is come to a service and, and, and you attend a service and then you leave. And if that's the only involvement that you have here at Crosspoint, you're making it really difficult. It's really hard for you to be able to feel the love and experience the love of your church. It's not impossible, but you're certainly making it hard on yourself. You're also making it hard on yourself to express love to others, to, to love others in a way that, that they could begin to, to feel it, that, that you're making it hard. And so there, there's a couple of ways that, that, that you could make it easier on yourself to feel the love and experience the love. One of those ways is that you could be part of our dream team. Our dream team is our volunteers. And our volunteers, that they plug in, they get connected, and they, they serve in some way, some form, some fashion. You, you might be new to church. You might be new to faith. You might even be going, I'm not even sure what I believe, but I kind of like being here. And that's great because we welcome everybody and everybody to, to belong, even if you don't believe, to be able to be here. But, but it's through connecting that, that you will begin to experience feeling the love and seeing that the other people love you. And so I would encourage you to, to look for an opportunity. You can stop by our next steps. Look for an opportunity of what you could be doing to get connected around here. That, that We're not going to say, hey, if you're somebody, you're not even sure what you believe. We're not going to say, you know, we got some openings on our prayer team. That we're going to be intentional and, and help you find a way that you could plug in and you could you might be new to the faith and might be very intimidated by by trying to do something that's going to lead people spiritually and, and teaching anything that, that's true biblically and so we, we have plenty of opportunities whether it's being part of our lawn care being part of our greeting team whether it's being somebody that, that you would be part of our registration for kids that are being checked in to program we have plenty of opportunity for you and if you're somebody that that you've you've been spiritually discipled and you have some spiritual maturity, you might be somebody that you're here because you burn out where you were before. That you burn out and you stopped going to church altogether. And, and, and then you felt this emptiness and so you decided, I, I, need, to, I need to get connected somewhere. I, I just need to find a church. And so you did and you came and you came to Crosspoint. Maybe you've been here weeks, maybe you've been here months, maybe you've even been here years. And you just, you're not doing anything other than just coming and leaving. And you could be somebody that, that, that you can experience love. You can feel the love from others. You, you can share that so that others can feel it and experience it from you. If you would plug in and get connected, and you might have some spiritual maturity that you could be leading a, a Bible study. You could be leading a journey team. You could be teaching some kids some things. And when you do this, you're going to experience this love one another the way that we are taught to experience this love one another. It's not the only way is serving, but it's a good way. Another good way is to get into a community group with us, a small group. We call ours journey teams. And if you're somebody that you're not part of a journey team, a small group, that today would be a great day for you because you can come back this afternoon because we're having a connection party.
where you can connect. You can get into a, a small group. You can just kind of look around and see, hey, I'm looking for a time that's going to work for me. I'm looking for a location that's going to work for me. I, I, I need to feel some chemistry, some camaraderie with who I'm going to be part of. So I'm looking for that. And, and you can come back and, and you can see and, and feel through all of that to try to find a group that's going to work for you. And what our journey teams do, they, they meet on average. They meet about two hours a week. Some meet for 90 minutes. But they gather together almost every week. And when they gather together, some of our journey teams take what we teach on a Sunday. And, and they get questions and they just talk through and dialogue through. And, and that's a great way to be able to go, hey, I really didn't understand when Pastor Will said this. And, and it's a great way for you to talk through that. But some of our journey teams also, they use some other material. And they use that for how they're going to spiritually grow. But they pray for each other. They pray with one another. So it, it's just a great way to get connected. It's a way for you to have a group of people that you know that if you just need to say, hey, I need somebody to pray for me for, that you can just let them know, and they're going to do this. It's a great way to feel the love and experience the love. And so if you'd like to be somebody that you can check that out and see, hey, I'm just going to give that a try, then you can come back this afternoon, check our connection for details. And, and, and if everything I've said, it, none of that's motivated you, they're making homemade ice cream sandwiches. So if nothing else, come for the ice cream because you know what? We'll bribe anybody to, to try to make a better decision for themselves when it comes spiritually. And so that we're going to be doing that as well when you come. But it's a great way for you to be able to feel and experience the love of your church. Let's look more at what Paul had to say to the Thessalonians. So in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, but we don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Here's something that I think everybody in the room, you've already figured out. Relationships create connections. That, that, that's what relationships do. That, that, that you begin to, to feel, it's, it's, it's having a relationship that, that keeps going on and on, that, that it creates connection. And, and, and we all need to feel connected to others. And so he, he's saying that God's taught you to love one another. Verse 10, indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia, throughout this area. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. That, that, that maybe we've been talking about this for the last few minutes and, and you're somebody you've been going, you know, I, I think I do a pretty good job. This is actually one of my areas I, I do well at. And, and you might be going, hey, I'm just kind of kind of chill the rest of the time today. And when we look at this, it's no matter where you are and how you're doing with loving one another, grow. Grow in it. Grow in it in such a way that, that you're going to love others even more. Maybe it's loving them more. Maybe it's just loving more people. But that you would grow in this loving one another. And so here's, here's another one that, not from Paul, but now this one's going to be from a guy named John who was a disciple of Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. That when we really get this thing love, when we get it right, we, we do this thing, it's the only people that really know how to do that thing right are, are the people that know God, the people that love God. Because God is 
love. So we've looked at what Paul's had to say to a couple of groups of believers. We've looked at what John had to say to to a group of believers as well. But let's look and see what, what Jesus had to say when it came to this subject of love one another. We're going to look in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. A new commandment. Now you might be somebody, you're thinking, wait a second, didn't, didn't Jesus come to complete the law, to complete the commandments and, and settle all of that? Yes, he did. But he also added a commandment. It was something that they understood that there's these rules, these guidelines, he's regulating these commands. And so he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. This is something that you must do. And what is that new commandment? Love each other. That's that's the commandment. It's the only command that Jesus gave. And he commanded us to love each other. That in giving this command, Jesus did something that the world had never seen before. That, that in doing this, he created a group that was going to be identified by their love. That would be the identifying factor. This is what's going to be the way that people are going to know you. He went on to even talk about that. We're not going to read it, but he went on to talk about that very thing that people will know you because of your love for each other, your love for one another. When when I think about our world, we have so many different groups in this world, and they all, they they, they identify themselves in in various ways, that that when you begin to look out, you begin to see people and see what people are doing, that you get to see some people that it's their shared interests that, that bring them together. That you go, hey, it's because of those shared interests that, that you guys are, are this group. So for some people, it's their, it's their alma mater. It's, 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 it's where they graduated from, and, and that just makes them a, a group, and that's where they are from. For some people, it's their political convictions that, that brings them together. For, for people, we'll see that some people will go, hey, it's just the place of their birth, that, that where they were born whether it's a national thing, whether it's a state thing, whether it's a city thing, but it just does. It just starts to group people together and that people are known by these. And some, some groups of people, they're known in, in different ways or that are different kind of visibilities. For, for, for some people, that they're known by what group they belong to by their tattoos or piercings. And they go, okay, that, that's what group you belong to. Not saying that anybody's got a tattoo or piercing, but, but they're specifically those tattoos or those piercings that puts them into a certain group of people. So some groups are known because of they, they abstain from meat. That meat's not something I eat. And so they get put into a cat. They're, they're, they're a group of people themselves. And so they get known as, as this group. Some people are known by the group that they're in based on the uniform that they wear, whether it's because of they go to a school that requires this uniform or whether it's because of their workplace that requires this uniform, and that's how they're known as their group. But Jesus gave this instruction, this command, that we would love each other, that we would love one another, and that we would be, made, that we would be known by our love. That, that, that every Christ follower, that we should be known by the way that we love 
people. That that should be how we are known as being somebody that, that we believe in Jesus, we follow Jesus, that people can see in our actions and our behaviors that we love people and that that would identify us. And Jesus, he wasn't commanding us to feel something. He was commanding us to do something. That we would love others. So as he's telling them this, this new commandment, love each other, he adds this, just as I have loved you. That, that love each other just as I have loved you. That Jesus loved others. There's three standouts in the way that Jesus loved others. That he loved others unconditionally. Didn't matter who they were, where they'd been, what they'd done, who they'd been with, he loved them. That Jesus, he loved people sacrificially. That, that, that he would give something up to be able to love others. When he left heaven and came to earth, it was a sacrifice. That, that he left a place of perfection, a place where he was recognized as deity, and he came to earth where he would not be recognized. In fact, he would be rejected. It was a sacrifice. What he went through, the way he was beat, the way he was whipped, the way that he was spit on, the way he was attached, nailed to a cross. It was a sacrifice. And he did it because of his love for people that he wanted to create a way for you and I, for everyone, to put their faith in Jesus and have their sins forgiven for all eternity. He loved sacrificially. And he loved eternally. That, that, that his love for somebody wasn't a, hey, I'll love you for now. It was a, I'll love you forever. He loved eternally. And so we were told that, that just as I have loved you, that, that, that we need to, to love, that just as I have loved you, you should love each other. That Jesus established himself as the love standard. That if you want to know, hey, am I doing enough? Am I loving the way I'm supposed to? You, you look to the life of Jesus. Because he is the love standard. And he commanded us to love one another. But sometimes, sometimes we're tempted to excuse ourselves from loving some certain one another's. Right? We're just like, I'll try for a little bit. It didn't work out. Okay, I, I tried. Some of us are like, no, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> you know, but as we look at this command and we look at Jesus just as he has loved this way that we are supposed to love, that maybe, maybe this will help you to understand some of the things that, that love isn't always. Because see, love, it isn't always logical. See, we, we, want, we want to go, okay, so if I, if I love you, you're going to love me back. We're going to have a good relationship, a good friend, and so this is going to be worth it. If, if, if I love you, you're not going to abuse that love. You're not going to take it for granted. And so, so we want logical. We, we want to lay it out logically, but, but love, 
isn't always logical. Love isn't always emotional. It's not always that, that, that I feel, I feel loved. It's not always emotional. That, that, that there can be love and not have that feeling of love. That, that love, it isn't always practical. That's a tough one. Because we want it to be bright. We, we want it to, to, hey, you know what? This is, this is going to be good. And so it's, it's convenient. It's easy for me to do this right now. And so, yeah, let me do it. It's not always practical. And love isn't always reciprocal. It doesn't always come back. That, that when we, we give it, it just it doesn't always come back. We want it to, but it doesn't always do it. But it is always needed. Love isn't always these things, but, but love is always needed. Even when someone says, I don't need you to love me, love is always needed. That's an emotional response to an internal need. Love is always needed. And don't wait to be loved by someone before you start loving that someone. So don't, don't be the person that's waiting around to see if they love me, then I'll love them. Be the one that's going to bring and initiate that love. But I know that, that when it comes to this love, that, that, that we can't limit this to just those people that, that we, we, we go, hey, I, I want to marry you. I want, I want to do life with you. We can't limit it to just them. Look at this with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways that, that we can motivate each other. That, 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 hey, what can I do to motivate you to love? What can you do to motivate me to love? That we're going to love each other. See, Paul recognized that there were some less lovable people out there. They're, they're just less lovable than others. Then he also recognized that there are some of those, they are hard, hard to love. I'm talking climbing Mount Everest kind of hard. There's just something, extra grace required, right? You know, there's just some of those people. But yet we're told and we're instructed that, that we would love one another, that we would love each other. That, that if we would be people, that, that, that we would have two people that could come together and just, just because they met, just because they crossed paths, that they would love each other, that, that, that we could have them work together to love each other. And when they do, that love grows. And that love, it should grow. And you know what else love should do? It should overflow. That our love for one another, it should grow and it should overflow. And you might be thinking, wow, Will, that's, that's pretty good. They're not my words. They're not my words. In fact, let's, let's look at these words together that Paul wrote to the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. 
He says, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people. Not just the love that we would have, but my love for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. That, that may the Lord our God, may he be the one that causes your love to grow and overflow. That that's what we would do. That, that we would be people. That, that we would give more love than what somebody could contain. That we don't go, oh, it looks like you're full, so I'm just going to stop right there. That we would just give it, give it, and give it so that that love grows and it overflows. I want to leave you with one final question. And, and this question, it, it can really transform the way that, that you would love one another. Because, see, those of us that, that, that we read our Bible and we study our Bible, that, that, that we're tempted to do this. We're tempted when we come across that difficult person, that difficult situation, that, that we, we want to ask this question. What does the Bible say? What's the Bible say that I should be doing? Okay? And, and, and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll look, we'll look, and we'll, we'll read it, and, and we'll find something, and we might go, I don't like that answer. So we'll just keep looking. Until we find something, we go, okay, I can live with that. Okay, and I can say the Bible says. But it's not, it's not the best question. The best question is not what does the Bible say when it comes to loving one another. There is a much better question. And that question is this. What does love require of me? It's a bigger question. I know it might be, I'd rather ask what the Bible has to say. But the right question to ask is what does love require of me? So you know who love is. God is love. That's who love is. And so if God is love and God loves us, and he loved us so much to send Jesus for us, and we're called to love one another. In fact, it's a command that Jesus gave us. Instead of asking, what does the Bible say? Let's ask, what does love require of me? That will cause our love for one another to grow and overflow. Pray with me. God, you love us more than what we would ever understand. And, and when we believe in you, that your spirit comes and lives inside of us. I pray that, that we would take this command that Jesus gave seriously. Love one another. God, help us to see how our love for others can grow. Others that we're already doing life with, others that we're yet to do life with. People that, that might be a stranger one moment and we get across paths with, that, that we would love them and that we, we would begin to be known, those of us that are believers, that we would be known by our love. God, if there's anybody here that, that they just haven't bowed the knee of their heart to you yet, God, I pray that they would lean into your love for them. 
I pray that they would even, even be people that go as far as going, I'm just going to look to start loving others. And I pray that you would let that love transform them to understand your love in a way that draws them to you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.